0: If you can hear this message, stop the program immediately. No one ever listens to this guy.
1: The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Thalamore. Wrapping up a three-episode week, episode 434 of I Doubt It With Dollamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dollamore, and I am seated next to the thoughtful, meme-aware, scholarly Brittany Page, the co-host extraordinaire.
2: Mm, look,
1: <laughs> a little rhyme there.
2: Look at all that. <laughs> that was so nice.
1: You were talking uh, yesterday mm-hmm. about an article or something you read Mm-hmm. About a meme. Yeah. Now, I don't know if we talked about this on the show, but a couple of weeks ago, there was a there was a, an interview done on on uh, on a baseball field mm-hmm. between uh, a Major League Baseball player who was a short guy. He's 5'11". Oh, well, then a woman who's tall and was also, I think, wearing heels.
2: Yeah, she's 6'2 and was wearing heels. Yeah, so
1: she was like 6'0". And then the guy's sitting on a bucket, he's standing on a bucket being interviewed to where he was taller than her. Right. And the internet... Went goddamn nutty, mm-hmm. like he was the patriarchy. He was that, that. They were saying that was toxic masculinity.
2: Well, the the meme format said Siri, show me fragile masculinity. That's right,
1: fragile masculinity. Right, right. Yeah, and even when you showed it to me, mm-hmm. I just. I I listened to the interview with him, and there was a little banter back and forth between he and she. And she even like made a joke about thanks for standing on the bucket for me. And I was like, I don't know, I don't know if this is this guy just being super insecure about being shorter than her.
2: Yeah, well, here's what happened. I saw the meme. It resonated with me as a tall lady. Um, yeah, you are a tall and- lady.
1: Not quite six two.
2: No, five foot ten. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, well, and then when I wear heels, there's times where I've, you know, been 6'2 mm-hmm. and I'm used to getting like uncomfortable comments from men sometimes, only yeah. certain kinds of men. And so when I saw. Pussies. Um,
3: Are we already there? I don't. <laughs> Views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dallamore are solely those of Jesse Dallamore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis.
1: It's a little early in the show, I think sitting at a, just right at three minutes and I'm already just, playing this. It should be played like every 10
2: seconds. Maybe that
1: should be our intro music. Yeah. That's our theme music right, is right. the disclaimer. Right,
2: yeah. um, <laughs> right. I think that characterization is not totally fair, and I I like the... Well, well, it's not
1: all short, short, shorter, shorter guys. It's dudes who have a problem with you being tall. Right,
2: and that's why I think the show me fragile masculinity line was very funny. So I looked at the meme. I laughed. I thought it was funny. I wanted to share it, but I hate fun and love facts, so I had to fact check it before (laughs) I shared it.
1: I hate fun and love facts.
2: Right. And so um the Dodgers player's name is Kike Hernandez. And apparently he's known for being kind of like a goofy, playful, funny guy who um is, you know, running all over the place, doing funny jokes, cracking people up. Yeah. Um, and they have worked together for a while, I guess, this reporter, Kelly Tennant. And so as you mentioned in the interview, she did say, um, I appreciate you standing on a bucket for me. Get out of here, shorty. So makes right, a right. joke about him being short. And he, he's 5'11". He's not short. He's taller, taller than, average. than average. Right. Um, <laughs> but so this meme really took off. And because he's recognizable in the photo or because you can just like Google Dodger player standing on the bucket and then you can get his name, people have been attacking him on the internet. And she's actually had to like make comments and say, listen, this is actually what happened. He's a really cool guy. We have an inside joke going. Um, He's not really like this. And so it's interesting to me when people become memes... And kind of like the ethical question of, even though this is a funny point, it's removing all the context for this actual guy that can be identified and it can cause him like problems. So is it okay to still share it? And I chose not to share it once I learned of all the context. So I come down on no on that question. It's not okay. Um, especially if it's going to result in like the guy being harassed by people.
1: Well, it, it's 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 kind of a case of the 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 end justifying the means mm-hmm. that we want to attack fragile masculinity and we want to make a make a, a, a that a talking point and, and a subject of, of conversation. But if you're going to do it through dishonest means, then that's then no, it's not worth it.
2: Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, even though I said what I said just now, I'm still like, well, it illustrates this funny point and it it can be a conversation starter. But I don't want this guy to be getting messages if he's not really... Well, a douche. Yeah, but
1: find a picture of an actual dude on a bucket who was doing it because he felt too. Sh-
2: yeah, you know what I mean. D- yeah, because don't,
1: don't be disingenuous in the, the the vehicle that you use to get to the conversation.
2: Yeah, because this guy wasn't trying to do that, so I don't think he deserves the attacks. Yeah. online.
1: Yeah, that's l- listen. It's 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 along the same vein as the like John Ronson's book. So you've been shamed. Mm-hmm. So you've been internet shamed. So you've been, or been publicly shamed. Publicly shamed. Mm-hmm. And it's, don't just jump on the goddamn bandwagon. One, it was funny. For sure, it was funny. Mm -hmm. But we need to be more responsible than just to pile on, especially in a case where this guy doesn't deserve that. Yeah. he. I mean, he may be an example of fragile masculinity or whatever the fuck, but we don't know that. Mm -hmm. This certainly wasn't a case of that. Yeah. And we need to be better. We yeah. need to be smarter. We yeah. need to be more reflective. Yeah. We need to be more like Brittany, hating the fun and <laughs> loving the facts.
2: Oh, uh, I'm the worst. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you are most certainly not the worst. Oh, uh, There are a lot of people worse than you, Brittany.
2: Well, oh, that's <laughs> that makes me feel a lot better. Before we
1: move on, let's get to a few pieces of listener communication that we've gotten between the last episode and this. Um,
2: <laughs> I'm a- glad you were pepping me up because I'm about to be knocked right back down. <laughs> yeah, as
1: as as we as we do, we like a dissent on the show because it's part of the conversation. If it, yeah. if it was a bunch of glad handing, breaking our arms, patting each other on the back all the time, then mm-hmm. that's just an echo chamber. Who fucking needs that? That yeah. does nobody any good.
2: Boring. Yeah,
1: yeah, right. So so we have an email here taking us to task for um apparently giving space to to trump supporters who might want to come back into the fold yes by Hel- the way c- should i should i trigger warning uh, spoiler alert that we'll be talking about that too trigger warning that i might get a little snarky in my response
2: well just relax it's mostly aimed at me so i think you're fine <laughs> 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 okay okay Hello, Jesse and Brittany. This is Kevin from San Antonio, Texas. And I had some thoughts over the conversation of taking in former Trump supporters. Brittany, you said it's an impulse or could be to lash out at those who were former Trump supporters and accost them of their choice. But could it not also be an impulse to quickly accept those who seem to turn a new leaf without consideration of context and scope? Think about the level it has taken to have some of these people to denounce Trump. If Trump continued with his harsh policies toward LGBTQ people, minorities, the scope of war, and more without the theatrics of adultery, Russian collusion, and immaturity on Twitter, would they walk away? You could be giving an out for these people who want to still be a part of a polite society, but then quickly vote for the next person who continues the tradition of Lee Atwater. This happened with Bush Jr., who was in part complicit in the spreading of a rumor that John McCain had a black baby out of wedlock and visited Bob Jones University and confirmed his respect for their views, which included a ban on interracial dating. He apologized afterwards. But I see this as essentially the same as Trump trying to apologize after not denouncing the KKK and David Duke. It's just that Trump is a lot more impulsive about it, so the usual dog whistle tactics don't last. So instead of learning from Bush and the disaster of a war he brought, the media and others gave an out to these voters, and these voters voted for Bush. The same could happen for Trump. As many former supporters make a distinction between conservatism and Trumpism, even though Trump is the result of decades long politics of dog whistling racism. Not to say Democrats aren't guilty either, as Bill Clinton did this as well and deserves criticism for it. However, Bill Clinton was operating in a more right-leaning frame compared to left-leaning politics from the 30s to 60s, brought about by Reagan.
1: A lot of excuses.
2: Whom, by the way, I still wonder why he earns the adoration from Jesse after he has no problem calling Trump a traitor when the Reagan administration sold weapons to Iran and designated a designated enemy at the time and left the gay community to their own fate as the AIDS epidemic began to spread. That's the thing, though. For me personally, I think someone is sincere when they admit it's the entire political structure and more specifically the current GOP, which has brought about these politics. That's why I still give Jesse credit because he has admitted as much. So has Leah from Maine and John from Michigan. I'm not sold on Leah's husband, though. Although for for Leah, I still wonder how she could vote for a man who said he was going to deport all 11 million undocumented people. Because as you can see, he actually started to act on that. And me personally, being a Mexican-American, I've had to see extended family scared for their lives. I've seen families and children scared personally. This should be considered also. I don't think it's as simple as to just tell people who have been personally hurt by Trump and his policies to just accept those that essentially voted to hurt them. Economic strife or not, as Jesse has stated, they did not mind the racism and the threats one bit. They didn't mind the Muslim ban one bit. Sorry for the long email. No, you're not. But I think that maybe you two shouldn't be quite as cavalier as seemingly you are with former Trump supporters, especially when there are children being sexually assaulted in detention centers. Thanks for allowing the input and continue the good work you two are doing.
1: Wow. Wow. <laughs> Well, at so least there he were said, a lot of he said that nice thing at the end. That's nice. Yeah, there
2: were a lot of epic burns there, Listen, especially the especially when children are being sexually assaulted in detention centers. These were a lot of good um tactics, Kevin. I will I will yeah, uh credit you with that. <laughs> I,
1: I, I wish Kevin was here in studio with me so I could fucking pick this apart point by point. And I'm not even thinking that Kevin's entirely wrong here. One I think Ke- well, Kevin's a longtime listener of the show.
2: Well, yeah, and first I want to say, I think most people feel like this
1: Fe- feel like what like generally like Kevin's feeling
2: yeah like that not- we shouldn't
1: let the Trump people back in or be super suspicious
2: right for some reason it's a radical position to talk about people and their ability to change
1: yeah sure yeah but but let me take a few points to task here sure one I, I don't think it is fair or reasonable to to assert that Brittany and I Are cavalierly dealing with anything? You you said something. Get the line ready here, Brittany. Um, Something about we're quickly accepting with uh, people back in without the without the something the scope of 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 uh, what does he say?
2: Um, could it not also be an impulse to quickly accept those who seem to turn a new leaf without consideration of context and scope?
1: Do you feel, Kevin, that we have not considered context, uh, cons- context, context, Construct is in my head, <laughs> context or scope? I-, I don't feel like we did that. I didn't say, hey, listen, if Richard Spencer tomorrow says, hey, guys, I was wrong about Trump. We're supposed to let him in. No, fuck no. That's not what I'm saying. Obviously, there's nuance here. Obviously, it's a case-by-case thing. And all I'm saying is that overall, isn't it better to give people a second chance and not be radically recalcitrant relative to bringing them back in, accepting them back in? Because if we remain divided in a wall between us, then there is no reunification between uh, the American people. Then we're always going to be a, a, the, in the same exact percentages as we were during this last election. Well, and, think, and that's not good for the future going forward.
2: Well, one one thing that I think would separate Kevin from most other liberals who are hesitant to accept former Trump supporters' um, changes is that he's actually... Um, not just taking Trump supporters to task, his whole issue is yeah. like former Republicans even. Sure. Because he's, he's talking about Bush, right? Um, and- well, he has
1: the benefit of hindsight talking about Reagan and AIDS. When, when even the scientific community called it gay cancer, no one fucking knew. So you, it's awesome having the benefit of the science of 2018, looking back on the ni- late 1970s and early 1980s and passing judgment on political leaders who were facing a new pandemic at the time, Kevin. So awesome. It is beautiful that you have that understanding, but not the, the, not, not the, the, the insight into your own head to know that, oh, fuck, it wasn't quite as easy. For them back then.
2: I wish everyone could see my face right now, but um, so what I was saying um before I was interrupted by that aggression um, <laughs> is that he's he's actually not just talking about Trump supporters. He's talking about former Republicans in general, which is sure. which is even more troubling. Um, well, where he, where he, he did say where, George
1: W. There's no difference between George W. Bush and, and Trump. Sorry,
2: where he's giving you a pass, Jesse, um, because you I guess have become a liberal right you've acknowledged that um the political structure of the republican sure. party was was the problem and so he accepts you because you have uh come to his political party now um and i i just i don't know if this is super helpful for the future it's kind of like the litmus tests for democrats where if like let's say you have um democrats who don't hold all of the democrat party positions yeah um people don't want to vote for them because they say well why do wait a minute why are you not aligned with the party on this one issue what's going on here and we want these like perfect candidates who align with us completely and I guess I'm just trying to emphasize a more complicated view of people. Um, Even Kevin here is kind of boiling it down to, oh, yeah, they were concerned about economics, but they weren't paying attention to the racism. You also have to take into consideration the different types of information echo chambers that we are living in. We all know about the dog whistles we all know about the racist connections with Stephen Miller and Steve Bannon and Breitbart and Milo Yiannopoulos we know all that stuff but there are groups of people that are protected from that information that are incentivized to believe that information is not true now there are also people
1: because maybe based on their suspicion of the mainstream media or whatever
2: right but there are also people who know that don't care are racist right right Right. But that's not everybody. But that's not everybody. And so the, the
1: term he used, I want to highlight the term he used, I wrote it down, was they didn't mind one bit about the racism. Mm-hmm. I don't think every person who voted for Trump, despite the racism, didn't mind one bit. I think some people were probably troubled by it but figured it was just him pandering like normal politicians who chalked him up, who placed him in a category of just regular politicians.
2: Even like Kevin did a little bit with Bill Clinton. Right. So that's kind of what I'm talking about. And, you know, I'm for sure I don't want to come off as cavalier. I, I think we spend a lot of time talking about the problems with Donald Trump if we don't do that. <laughs> um, I don't know what we're doing here. Um, but <laughs> I I feel like we, we do take a lot of time to talk about um, how complicated it is and how it's not easy. And listen, I have this in my own family um, where I have to really struggle with family members that are Trump supporters and I've ruined holidays because of arguments that I've had. Um, I, well, let's
1: not say I've ruined It's it's holidays have been ruined.
2: Well, <laughs> I could have not participated yeah. in an argument, you know? So, <laughs> memories, As could they have. memories of holidays past, have been ruined in my mind because of the debates that have happened. So, I, I you're not the
1: problem, Brittany. The problem's the problem.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so. I for sure don't want to be cavalier about it. And and we're trying to emphasize the nuance. And we're not just saying, listen, anytime a Trump supporter says, hey, guys, made a mistake.
1: Yeah, no way that, that
2: you have to that you, Kevin, have to take them in. No, we're not even telling anyone what to do. We're just having a conversation about what we think the best approach is to move forward yeah, and try to fix what is going on in this country. And if we all retreat to our corners and continue to flip each other off and say, F you, you made your choice. You made your bed. Lay in it. Right? Um,
1: the only person who deserves that treatment is Donald Trump himself.
2: Or the races. Who is irredeemable. That are march- marching yeah. at Charlottesville. Sure, right? sure, yeah. Um, But if you're just um ignorant and you didn't know better and you're trying to learn now or and you're you, trying to know better. Or you poorly
1: prioritized what was important if you prioritize the economic well being that you thought would come over true racism and fear mongering and xenophobia, then that's that's just poor prioritization. That's not that's not a deal breaker to come back in, as far yeah. as I'm concerned.
2: Yeah. So the anger makes sense. We we hear about it from a lot of people, and that's why I said Kevin's not alone in what he's feeling. Um, but I think we we want to have a larger conversation about how it is then that we move forward. Yeah. So if anyone has ideas about that, <laughs> feel free to share them. Oh, and thank you, yeah. Kevin from San Antonio. Yeah,
1: I was also gonna say, uh on the on the on the topic of Kevin being a longtime listener. Yeah. Um we've we've got some some we got some love for Kevin. Yes. Um and you know, I, I feel like early adopters of the show,
2: eh, they could take
1: it a little bit. You know me being a little a little aggressive maybe they've they've uh they've helped us grow up and uh, to what we are and uh if, a, I, if i wasn't a little aggressive then it wouldn't be the goddamn show
2: you get a little excited i get
1: a little excited it happens sometimes. kevin thank you we yes. appreciate the descent yes let's let's move forward here um a little bit on the trigger warnings as foreshadowed
3: hello jesse and Brittany. <clears throat> this is uh ben in seattle uh Called, uh called you guys a few times. Uh, I wanted to call you and talk to you about a, a little bit about trigger warnings and the discussion that you guys had about them. Uh, I have a couple of points that I would like to make. One is that, uh, I don't know about in a classroom setting, but in a social media setting especially, I have found trigger warnings to be very useful. I, I've been in therapy for four years for the trauma that I experienced, uh, but still sometimes I don't want to read something that might might set me off emotionally and so it's nice when I see that I can make the decision on the spot okay I'm going to skip this I'm not going to read this right now or no I'm feeling okay I will read this right now but thanks trigger warning. The other point that I wanted to make is about the study and uh, Jordan B. Peterson who I think is one of the top douchebags in the country. Um, the, The study seems like it has a major problem and you guys addressed it a little bit. But I think about it like this. If you were to have a study where you had somebody that had, you were judging the effectiveness of casts, putting a cast on someone's arm, and you were to have a group of people without a cast on their arm and a group of people with the cast on their arm, it would be important that the people have a broken arm in the first place. Because you would because if you put a cast on a healthy arm It would skew the results of the study and make it look like cats were a bad thing. So you would need somebody. So there seems to be an inherent flaw in judging the effectiveness of trigger warnings while eliminating the person, the people, that those trigger warnings were meant for in the first place. So I just wanted to throw my illustration in there and my two cents. Appreciate it. Love you guys. Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part.
1: Bye. I, I like the cast analogy. it It does a good job of highlighting the same points you were making last episode about the limitations of that particular study mm-hmm. that no trauma, no trauma victims were. Were included mm-hmm. in the their apparatus in their their study design.
2: Yeah, and I want to say it wasn't just me that highlighted that um, limitation. That actually, the to the researchers' credit, that was in their limitation section. So yeah. they they know that they pointed it out. Yeah, it was just that the in <laughs> the people that were sharing it, like Jordan Peterson, right? They weren't noting that. Um, And most people who are going to click an article and read about an article in popular media are not going to see coverage of limitations of research. Um, And they're likely not going to click on the link to go to the article and read the limitations of the research. So when someone like Jordan Peterson uses this study, which has this clear limitation that (laughs) even the researchers note,
1: Somebody like Jordan Peterson, who's respected by a lot of ding-dongs for being a scientist.
2: Right. And he doesn't feature that in his commentary to advance his own ideas. Right. Um, that's problematic. And so the whole point of talking about it was to kind of take those public intellectual types to task for reaching a certain level in their career to where they no longer care about, um, things that they're supposed to care about given their education.
1: Yeah. And uh, on the, the topic of, of trigger warnings themselves, I wonder Sometimes I like to think about things from the perspective of how it would it actually go down. It looks. Listen. L- let me say up front again. I'm not opposed to trigger warnings. I just, I, I, I worry about the things I've already talked about. But it sounds like you know we've we've known from from previous calls and communication with Ben that he is seeking the help that he needs to heal and 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 become better, stronger, healthier. Um, but I wonder how it goes down. So let's say that that Ben's reading an article with with no trigger warning. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like all of a sudden it goes from talking about economics to a a, a scene of brutal abuse. Mm-hmm. There are context clues that lead up to that would give you the, the 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 contextual trigger warning without a trigger warning that oh shit this is getting a little hot hot and heavy. This is getting a little a little uh, a little much. I think I'm going to put the article down. I think I'm going to flip off the computer, whatever it is. So so there is a there is kind of a built in trigger warning just through the 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 rapidity, the the ascension of um the acceleration of action. You know what I mean? Am I am I making sense?
2: Kind of, yeah. Um I yeah, I, I
1: It's not like look, when you're reading something, it's not like flipping on the TV in the middle of a rape scene or something.
2: Right. Yeah, I I understand that. Um, I can also see how, um, even things that are not like violently describing the the trauma would be um, triggering emotionally for someone. Sure. So. I think it's great if people are helped by them. That's awesome. You know, Um, and especially for Ben, who's been in therapy for four years and finds them useful. That's great. Um, And I think it's hard to argue that um, he shouldn't like,
1: I'm not arguing that. No, I
2: know. I know you're not doing that. I'm saying people who are against trigger warnings. Yeah. 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 Like I would like Jordan Peterson to have a talk with Ben and try to tell him that he shouldn't use a trigger warning or shouldn't, or, you know, they shouldn't exist. Sure. Um, being the clinician that Jordan Peterson is.
1: Yeah, no shit. I mean that really that's that's ultimately it. If he's a he's in a helping profession or purports to be mm-hmm. a helping person, then he's not.
2: I mean, it's not a helpful thing to say. If it helps people, that seems important, right?
1: Yeah, that's why I don't argue against them so much. I'm just I, I'm confused at their One, let me say this. I have the benefit of of coming at the subject. Maybe it's not the benefit. Um, I am benefited by the fact that I haven't experienced trauma like Ben or you or many others who have been diagnosed with PTSD. So uh, maybe I just don't get it. And and it's good that you're here to kind of push back a little bit. Well, you know, it's, you know, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Mm -hmm. Again, it's just a conversation.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: But Jordan Peterson uh <laughs> god damn this guy
2: well so first of all i want to say there was an article that went viral um probably about a month ago now um it's hard for me to understand time um these days but i think it was about a month ago <laughs> and it was a guy who he used to work with who knew him pretty well and he basically the only point that i took away from it was that he has always thought jordan peterson's goal was to start a church yeah like like, not start a church and then not take over. Like, he's going to be a pastor with a following and have a church. Yeah,
1: like a Joel Osteen.
2: And as soon as I read that, I was like, wow, that makes total sense. That, yeah. is, the, that is the path that this guy is on. Um, and he's only getting bigger. He's only making more money. And now he's trying to help his daughter out. His daughter is Michaela Peterson. Ugh. And
1: this is very I'm I'm going to give everybody a little trigger warning here (laughs) making a joke. Um, You know, jokes are good when you have to say you're making a joke, Brittany. Um, I've called him the Deepak Chopra. The white Deepak Chopra, the Mm -hmm. Canadian Deepak Chopra. Mm -hmm. And this is this is that. I mean, this is more evidence of that.
2: Well, so again, you have a former university professor. I don't know if he still teaches or maybe he's still a university professor. I don't know. Um, A clinician who is promoting pseudoscience here. So his his daughter says that she cured her depression and her rheumatoid arthritis by eating an all-beef diet. All-beef. She eats beef three times a day. She fries it or roasts it, adds some salt, and then washes it down with sparkling water, according to this BuzzFeed article. No fruits or vegetables, just meat. And she's 26, and she's calling it the carnivore diet. Or maybe she's not calling it. That's just what it is. <laughs> um, I hope somebody the next
1: article they write is about the Peterson poops, because that's outrageous <laughs> right there. That's a problem happening.
2: And. So she's she's offering Skype consultations about the diet for $90 an hour. And Jordan Peterson did something similar where he used to do Skype consultations with people who wanted to talk to him yeah. I, don't, I don't think he would dispense advice and since he is a clinician i don't think he was calling it therapy but i think it was like a coaching type thing. life
1: coaching yeah right.
2: um where you could pay him per hour to have a skype session and so now she's doing that for 90 dollars an hour you can t- get more details about this all beef diet sounds like you need a lot of details <laughs> in an hour it's gonna take a lot of time to hash out how this works
1: it's how to not eat vegetables yeah <laughs> Uh, he, apparently he was on with Joe Rogan talking about this, that it, he says he and his wife have an autoimmune disease mm-hmm. and when asked what it was, he goes, oh, I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, that doesn't sound like it's been diagnosed. It sounds like you pulled a Britney page and went to WebMD mm-hmm. and concocted some I'm making a joke about you.
2: Yeah. Thanks. A lot of
1: jokes I'm making. Yeah. I got it. And then talking about the jokes that I'm making. It's
2: really, that's the best way to tell <laughs> jokes. Yeah. Um,
1: and I've read from some people who are like are doctors and they've said that's absurd that it takes medication because an autoimmune disease is your body's natural antibodies working against the system, trying to kill you, your own body.
2: Mm-hmm. so there's, Me-
1: meat's not going to get it done
2: yeah there's obviously no research to back this up but that that isn't stopping them from promoting this and he also told joe rogan on that podcast that he's lost like 50 pounds his appetite has fallen 70 quote i don't get blood sugar dysregulation problems i need way less sleep and my gum disease my gum disease is gone like what the hell um, uh, all from this amazing diet. So this is how this starts. These Gwyneth Paltrow's of the world. These, um, yeah. You know, I mean, come on now, and,
1: snake oil salesman. Yeah. This is this is fucking charlatan bullshit. Yeah.
2: So now he's promoting his daughter's stuff and trying to get her on the train as well for the Ugh. eighty thousand dollars a month on Patreon. So it's just really disturbing that these people um reach this level, but I can really see the appeal of um, being Jordan Peterson, like getting to that point and um, just having like, thousands of people defend your honor all day online yeah, for free yeah like you're not even paying them yeah, and they're like, dedicating <laughs> days of their lives right. online to defending your honor it's that like, sounds awesome
1: it's like a dude who walks around in like a nike track suit with a nike hat and the nike s- shoes yeah, and nike socks just a
2: free advertisement that he
1: paid them <laughs> to advertise their product yeah yeah Uh,
2: It would be great. Yeah, it would. Where are those people? Defend my honor. Where are our people? For free. (laughs) For free.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, listen, we we appreciate uh, the calls. We appreciate the emails. Uh, We're going to get to more on the other side of this short, self-serving commercial message. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and
2: So I got a tweet yesterday asking me if stickers are still available and they are. Yes. Um, so don't forget to order those at dollamore.com under the menu that says sticker shop and you can also go to dollamore.info and get yourself a treason shirt. Those have been doing pretty well and we're getting pictures of them too, which is great. Um, you can also shop on Amazon dollamore.com slash Amazon uh, if you want to make Jeff Bezos richer than he already is.
1: And this, we, we talked about that yesterday that we,
2: it probably doesn't help well, us. That, but
1: well, that, that I think that shows a little bit of our integrity <laughs> that I mean, we only have so much integrity because we're still doing the Amazon thing. But yeah,
2: yes, yes. It's
1: full disclosure. Yeah. We're not acting like, oh, he's a great guy. Let's not malign Amazon. You're going to be making that guy richer. Yeah. <laughs> what were you saying yesterday? He's he's got twice as much money as Bill Gates.
2: Um I don't remember now. It
1: was like some tremendous amount of money more than even Bill Gates.
2: I think it was he needs to spend like 28 million a day in order to stop from accumulating more wealth. Yeah yeah
1: yeah. So it's not even to it's not even to lose money, just to break even. He needs to burn with fire million. See, look what we're doing I mean, he doesn't need to
2: burn it. He just needs to spend it (laughs) on the space travel.
1: Yeah, but even if he burned it, he would still not be losing money. Mm -hmm. He just wouldn't be making money.
2: Yeah, I wonder if Jeff Bezos has heard about what LeBron James is doing. Did he hear about that? The school that he's opening and the free tuition and the free bike and the helmet. Uh, That's a really good idea. So Anyway,
1: all this to say that I think we're pretty open and upfront about... Helping support the show, right? <laughs> Even at our own detriment, right? Uh, we would really appreciate your support. We are, we are really. We've got some bonus content that's coming up. We we really try to put out as much content uh, that we think is is um, going to be appreciated
2: and beneficial. And Learn ben- something. That's right. Laugh a little bit. Want to fire off an email about how you hate us? Whatever it is, yeah, we try to provide that.
1: And we're we're we're, we're we've upped the ante. We're doing every other week three episodes. We love you guys. We want to provide for you. And if you would like to help support the show, there's all kinds of ways. So thanks a lot. Okay, so let's get back to the listener communication. Uh, here we we talked about voter ID because Donald Trump uh, during his last. Um, campaign rally two years before uh, early, he talked about needing an ID to go to the grocery store.
2: Yeah. You know, when you buy milk and they're like, hey, do you have your ID with you? You can't take these eggs home unless you got your ID.
1: What was was the excuse that Sarah Sanders made in the press briefing when asked about it? Well,
2: she was like, well, you guys have all gone to the store and purchased beer and wine, I'm sure, when you're at the grocery store. And the reporter said, Donald Trump doesn't drink. And and she said, well, he wasn't talking about himself. He's just saying when you go to the grocery right. store and buy beer or wine, <laughs> he didn't specify beer and wine.
1: You know, when 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 we go to the grocery store, and here in California, you can buy booze, liquor mm-hmm. at an Albertsons
2: uh-huh.
1: uh, or any grocery store for that matter, 7 Seven Eleven.
2: It's just it's crazy down here. Yeah, I uh, all yeah, kinds of freedom, yeah,
1: Sin City. <laughs> uh, when when I come home. And I'm walking into the house and my neighbor says, hey, what do you got there? And I've got a, 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 a bag filled with bourbon. I say, oh, I've got groceries. <laughs> Come yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, this sparked... Going
2: to the grocery store, that's it's right. really the liquor store.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, this sparked an, uh, a new conversation because Donald Trump is now pushing voter ID laws, right. which is a cultural touchstone issue. Now we received uh, an email and a voicemail about it. Let's let's play them both and and then uh, or read one and play one and then address the voter ID thing. Cuz I think there's questions about it.
2: Yeah, so this is another Kevin, but this one lives in Canada. So this is Kevin from Canada. <laughs> Oh, God. Canadian Kevin. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. Greetings from sunny and a little smoky Calgary, Alberta. I just got back from the grocery store where I didn't have to show ID and had a question about the voter ID discussion in the USA. In Canada, we do require ID for voting, but the list is extremely lengthy as to what can qualify as ID. See the link at the end. Pause. Pause. I want to say I looked at the link, and there's many, many things that you can use as ID. You Very thorough
1: of you, by the way.
2: A debit card, a credit card, a library card, um, a Holy student shit, really. ID card, a public transition transportation card, a liquor identity card, a firearms license, a utility bill, a bank statement. Yeah. Many things. S-
1: really anything. <laughs>
2: Yeah, if you if your name is on the bottom of your shoe, you can probably bring that in. Um, N-
1: name on the bottom of the shoe? What? What? Uh, what? What the hell? Shoes are you wearing?
2: Like Andy from Toy Story?
1: <laughs> oh, again. You know, I used to have these shoes when I was in elementary school, like a, a kindergarten, and they said gas on the bottom. Gas? Yeah, G A S S along the bottom of the shoe, and we used to think we were being super like rebellious slicksters. And we'd covered the G with our hand oh my and it God. said ass. Well, we thought we were fucking awesome. Wow. We were dumb kids.
2: Kids are really sad. <laughs> um, <laughs> so back to the email.
1: Five-year-old Jesse
2: would have disagreed. <laughs> It seems to me like people in the U.S. are either photo ID all the time, including grocery stores, or no ID ever. Is it possible, dare I say even reasonable, that a system like here in Canada could be a solution? I suppose we also don't have issues of governments preventing people from getting IDs in the first place. We also don't have gerrymandering. But I'm hoping you can help me understand the debate a little more. Thanks, love the show, Drew is the best part, where the hell is that guy anyway? Where's Drew? Drew is not on the show. Yeah, Drew's not a host
1: of the show. That's like saying, hey, where's...
2: Where's Adam Carolla?
0: Yeah,
1: where's someone who has been on the... Well, it would be more like asking, where's Where's Team Ian? (laughs) That guy's been on the show before, where is that guy? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know.
2: Ask, go ask him where his podcast is. <laughs> that would be the better question.
1: So uh, let's let's get to the voicemail. I got a lot to say because I've been on both sides of this debate. I used to think, and I still think, much like Kevin, Canada Kevin, yeah, that uh, voter ID isn't a bad thing. However, there is malicious intent in the orchestration by the Republicans. Let's get to Sheree in Florida before we talk about it.
0: Hey, Jesse and Brittany. It's Sheree from Florida. And I just wanted to chime in on episode 433 in regards to voter registration ID laws. Uh, so about two years ago, a coworker and I were up in Tallahassee pulling out of a parking lot when a black man in kind of tattered clothes approached our work van um, he explained to us that he was an honest man. who He wasn't asking for a handout. He wasn't going to buy drugs or alcohol. He was staying in a homeless shelter um, because he just got out of prison. And he was really honest about what it was for. And I'm aware scams, like, are a thing. But um, <laughs> I, I can't remember what he was in there for. I just remember it wasn't anything like murder or crime or ugh, murder crime anyways um basically it just wasn't anything where he harmed anyone or something along those lines he just seemed like an unfortunate victim of our judicial du- ju- our courts <laughs> uh his goal you, was 25 dollars so that he could get a state id and get a job to get back on his feet um unfortunately we both only had change but if i had had a 50 dollars bill i would have given it to him Uh, And that's something a lot of conservatives don't realize, um, probably maybe even more than conservatives, is that sometimes 20 bucks is the thing keeping you from a legitimate job. Aside from recent felons, uh, those voter ID laws can greatly prevent some low-income Americans from having a voice simply because they can't afford a voice. It's truly a a disgrace that our system and government are okay with that. That's, it's, it's fine. <laughs> but what do I know? Just your typical 24-year-old liberal wanting to destroy the world. So <laughs> that's my personal anecdote of the day. Just wanted to throw that out there. So, yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, love you guys too. Thanks. buddy. I love
1: when callers don't know how to end a call.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that uh, a lot of people don't call the show because they're nervous and like don't like the sound of their own voice or they think that they're not going to be super eloquent but it's just like public speaking you have to practice just do it just do it if you're thinking about it and you you want to sound off just just pick up the phone and call also there's been people this has happened many times that have called and started and then been like yeah they've said like never mind in the middle and Listen, we're gonna we're gonna treat everybody with respect. We're not gonna try to ruin your life. We're not gonna play your messed up call. Okay? Also
1: also this. Listen, you hear us fumble fuck our way through the show two and three times a week. Yeah. Come on.
2: Yeah. You also there's a lot of times where we're just sitting here crying, trying to figure out what we're gonna say next and fighting. And um we cut that out so you don't have to hear it.
1: Right. Well, <laughs> sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. So let's talk about voter ID. Um, v- voter ID laws in the United States are kind of a cultural issue, a lot like the kneeling for the flag thing. Because on its face, it it, it makes sense that you would need to identify yourself to place your vote. Right. And uh, I used to be one of those people. And I still am. Like, yeah, we we if, if we had a, a very liberal system like Canada where you, all you had to do was just identify yourself to vote, that would be great. The problem is... That Republicans have designed a system to make voter suppression more um, possible. Right. They they they've constructed the voter ID laws around the country in different states that have had them: Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Wisconsin. We'll talk about a little bit. Um, in order to suppress the vote against the the benefit of the the Democrats. Now. A lot of times, it also goes hand-in-hand, voter ID systems, and then also restricting the ease with which you're able to get an ID. So it's twofold. How do I know that Republicans have this ill intent? Well, it's because I listen to them. Here's a clip, a very brief clip, of Pennsylvania House Leader Mike Tuzai, who is now the Speaker of the House of Pennsylvania. Talking about voter ID and why Romney was going to win in Pennsylvania in 2012. Voter ID, which is going to allow Governor Romney to win the state of Pennsylvania. Done. How would voter ID help Romney win in Pennsylvania? Done. Ronney didn't win in Pennsylvania, but why would voter ID help a Republican over a Democrat just on its face? Mm-hmm. Because statistics bear out when voter, when voter turnout is high, Democrats do well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It's because they want to suppress the vote. Here is the Pennsylvania Republican chair talking about it.
4: Do you think all the attention drawn to voter ID affected last year's elections?
5: Uh, yeah, I think a little bit. I think we, I, we probably had a better election. Think about this: uh, we cut Obama by five percent, uh, which was big. You know, a lot of people lost sight of that. He he won. He beat McCain by ten percent. He only beat uh, Romney by five percent. I think that probably photo ID had a, a, helped a bit in that.
1: Photo ID helped cut Obama's lead from 2008 to twenty twelve by five points. Five points is make or break. In most races, I would say. I don't know that to be a fact, that most races are within five points. Most races aren't uh, runaways, 20, 30 points. They're pretty close. So if you can get the margin of error within five points because of voter ID, and again, how is it that voter ID is going to help the Republicans and not the Democrats? Here's Wisconsin representative Glenn Grothman talking
4: about it. Well, I think Hillary Clinton is about the weakest candidate the Democrats have ever put up. And now we have photo ID. And I think photo ID is going to make a little bit of a difference as well.
1: Photo ID is going to make a lot of difference. Little difference, he says. Again, there is a clear intent on Republicans' part of a malicious intention to suppress the vote in favor of themselves. Now here is, <laughs> here's the coup de grace. This is the North Carolina Republican um, representative of the party, not a elected official, named Don Yelton. This is a clip from The Daily Show, him and As- Assef Manvi talking about um, v- this very law that they put in place in North Carolina. And he is, the others are, you know, kind of political speak, you know, they're, they're elected representatives, so they got to kind of mask their intentions Mm -hmm. this is just unbelievable how open and frank he is about it
5: the law is going to kick the democrats in the butt
4: wow an executive gop committee member just admitted that this law isn't designed to hurt black people it's designed to hurt democrats
5: If it hurts a bunch of college kids that's too lazy to get up off their bow hunkers and and go get a photo ID, so be it. Right, right. If it hurts the whites, so be it. If it hurts a bunch of lazy blacks that wants the government to give them everything, so be
1: it.
4: And it just so happens that a lot of those people vote Democrat.
1: Gee. And if it just so happens that it hurts a bunch of lazy blacks...
2: Jesus Christ. So so be it. It's pretty... It's pretty unbelievable.
1: This isn't related. This next clip's not related to the voter ID thing. Just Don Yelton. But I couldn't not play this clip (laughs) because it's just too great of what a racist piece of shit Don Yelton from North Carolina is. There were many clips of him defending voter ID and doing it in more of a traditional way. But that one was too great. This one just is icing I've been called a bigot before. Let me tell you something. You don't look like me, but I
5: I think I've treated you the same as I would anybody else. Matter of fact, one of my best friends is black.
4: So one of your best
5: friends. One of my best friends is black. Yes. And there's more. When I was a young man, you didn't call a black a black. You called him a negro. Uh, I had a picture one time of Obama sitting on a stump as a witch doctor. And I posted that on Facebook. Information. I was making fun of my white half of Obama, not the black half. And now you have a black person using the term nigger this, nigger that, and it's okay for them to do it.
4: You know that we can hear you, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, you know that. You, you, you know that we can hear you. Yeah. Okay, all right.
1: These people exist. I wonder who... Do you wonder who that guy voted for in 2016? Uh, I wonder who he voted for. Mm-hmm. With Glee. Mm-hmm. So that is the motivation behind voter ID. It is absolutely a ploy to suppress the Democrat vote, because Republicans can't win on their on their own merit. They have to be use gerrymandering. They have to rely upon our archaic electoral college system they have to rely on dirty tricks like voter id and then making it even more difficult to get an id so on its face the idea of identifying yourself to vote i don't have a problem with but if this is the the motivation behind it then yeah no fuck no especially in the face of the fact that several studies have pointed out that voter fraud just statistically doesn't happen out of the like three billion votes cast there were literally a handful of of fraud cases so it's just not a problem it 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 is a a solution in search of a problem except it's not really in search of a problem it's in search of, of another solution which is to suppress the vote for democrats Mm-hmm. And minority communities are largely part of that. Mm-hmm. Minority and poor. So.
2: In in our district, we don't need IDs to vote.
1: We don't. When California doesn't have that.
2: Yeah. We just uh, walk up and give our address. That's right. Or verify our address. And that's all that you have to do. And then you get the little ticket. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Which is... In a way, identifying yourself. Yeah, because it is you-
2: because you're saying, here's my address. Right. I live there so I can vote in this district. Here yeah. I am.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, um,
2: Although the paper's right there and I basically just read my address from the paper. <laughs> it's not very...
1: That's fraud. Yeah. That's voter fair. fraud. Yeah. I'm telling somebody. <laughs> Wish I had sirens on the board. <laughs> So, so that is it. Listen, if you would like to communicate with the show, here we are, 50-plus 50, 50 minutes in. If you want to communicate with the show, we'd love to hear from you, 657-464-7609. Of course, emailing from your smartphone, a voice memo works very well, too. That is idoubtit at dollamore.com. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for helping us move the conversation forward. All right, moving on. <laughs> democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, in the wake of Donald Trump's tweeting um, asking for Jeff Sessions, the recused Jeff Sessions, to end the Mueller probe, um, Sarah Sanders was asked about this at the press briefing yesterday right after we had finished the show. And this was her response. Uh, just a uh, quick note on behalf of the press corps. Last month, there were only three briefings with you. totaling under an hour. Um, if, if at some point in the next month or two, I have to of this travel concerns. But if you can, we'd appreciate it if you were able to get some more time have their life, issues would like to cover. Uh, one of those, uh, first off, is the president's tweet this morning uh, about uh, the Russian government's direction to the trade-off. Uh, Sessions asking him to uh, end the Mueller probe right now. Um, the president said a few weeks ago that he did or a few months ago, sorry, that he's not going to intervene. The
4: Department of Justice is planning of that investigation. Does that tweet this morning mark a change in posture by the president?
2: Uh, it's not an order. It's the president's opinion. And it's ridiculous that all of the corruption and dishonesty that's gone on with the launching of uh, the witch hunt. The president wants to
0: has watched this process play out. But he also wants to see it come to an end, as he stated many times. Uh, and we look forward to that happening.
1: It's ridiculous. It's an opinion, not an order. Let me ask the audience. Let me ask the audience. <laughs> when your boss says, hey, you should uh, go do X, Y, or Z. Is that an order or just, oh, I thought that was your opinion (laughs) that I should do that. I didn't know that you were telling me to do that. Yeah. So get the fuck out of here, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. That is a ridiculous bullshit excuse that only morons are falling for. Well, also only the diehard Trumpians.
2: Yeah. The president isn't in a position to when he gives interviews, people aren't asking him for like his opinion. Yeah. Yeah. His opinions are his policy positions, his plans for what he's going to do in office. So when you talk to the president of the United States, it's not like you're talking to Sean Hannity, who doesn't have any power and who's just like running his mouth about his opinions about things. No, this is someone who has power and he's telling you what he wants to do. He's telling you his plans for how he's going to run his administration. Well,
1: let's give an example of it.
2: And they've also, well, they've also tried to, um, before we do that, (laughs) they've also tried to play at both sides with the Twitter, um, the tweets that he sends. They are... Um, announcements. They are official communications from the president. Yeah. They're not. They're just his opinion, right? You can't have it both ways. They are presidential announcements. They are official communications from of the president. Of course they are. So, enough. Courts have ruled that. Yeah, enough of this. Enough of this.
1: Well, let's put it in context of an opinion of his. He, let's say that, let, let's take him at his word that he met with. Many Supreme Court nominees when he nominated Brett Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he met with many of them. Yes. I don't buy it. but All of them. Yeah, he, he met with them. It was based on his opinion of these men and women that he chose Brett Kavanaugh. Mm-hmm. So opinions matter when you're president of the United States. Yeah. So get the fuck out of here. Sarah Huckabee Sanders, you shit show. Garbage person. Person who is garbage,
2: so I um I watched the press briefing yesterday, and I'm watching the press briefing right now on mute. and um what? get
1: your head in the game, man?
2: Well, she's not up yet. so i you'll notice when she comes up because I will be I'll be alone.' I'll be, I'll be, on no, I'll be breathing <laughs> fire into the microphone and it will just melt you do I, have
1: you do have some uh...
2: I get so angry. I cannot wait for there to be consequences for this person. She is so. <laughs> She is so hateful. It is—I mean—the way that she treats the press. Oh yeah, it is so bad.
1: I think you think less of her than Donald Trump himself, maybe.
2: <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but I mean, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, let's get this done. Let's wrap the show before that happens because I don't want to have to do everything myself. You know, <laughs> you, you take some of the load off here.
2: Uh-huh. So, um, just a bit.
1: The other news is that Mueller. Um, <laughs> Mueller and Trump are, I guess, now negotiating for the questions, what the questions will be, whether they'll be in writing. Um, a, a lot of this is coming from the administration though, not from sources in the, Mueller, well, they're not coming from the Mueller team. So I would take it with a grain of salt. We're not going to get into it a bunch. Uh, I think more news will break tomorrow cause it's Friday and that's the day that they drop news. So it has some time to cool off over the weekend. Did you have something to say about this before we move on?
2: Well, it's just filling me with joy because, you know, his little freak out that he had. You just went
1: from rage to joy.
2: Well, life is... roller coaster. Life is exciting. Um, (laughs) Life is exciting. (laughs) He he went on that crazy tweet spree about Robert Mueller. And it was because, according to White House sources cited by ABC News, um, that Robert Mueller wants to ask him about obstruction of justice. Yeah. And so he freaked out. But he. So great. But he actually wants to sit for the interview. That's and what.:
1: The reason, though, is startling.
2: Yeah, because he thinks he can prove that this is a witch hunt to Robert Mueller. And so I'm like, <laughs> I am all for this.
1: Listen, I'm going to prove that this is a witch hunt to the chief witch hunter. Yes. I'm going to convince him the folly of his ways. Donald Trump must really think that he is some world-class unparalleled genius at uh, the powers of persuasion because he was able to <laughs> because he was able to persuade this guy oh, Trump, <laughs> baby. you know what I mean
2: yeah I think the rallies are going to his head like he thinks that it's just a sea of Robert Mueller's out there and <laughs> that he, <laughs> he will have just <laughs> as much success in the room with Robert Mueller yeah. as he does at the rallies and I want to see it I want it to happen so bad so amazing oh it'll be so good
1: all right (laughs) Uh, it's come on this is we're gonna wrap the show I had other stuff we were gonna talk about but this is hashtag third episode Uh, this is gonna be my Friday and I'm not gonna play it so the Friday drop thank you too many people yeah no one wants you to do it hating it and me for playing it yeah so no really I'm not gonna play it
2: (laughs) I was scared <laughs> taking care of biz, Stephen
1: Colbert. Stephen Colbert. He's listen. We don't always say taking care of biz. Oh, this could he could be taking care of biz all the time, or she could be taking care of biz all the time. We do that with asshole of today, <laughs> but Stephen Colbert really could be. I, I, I have a there's a special place of admiration in my heart for for Stephen Colbert.
2: Yeah, he seems to be um, a very lovely human being. Yeah. And there's a lot of controversy right now with Les Moonves. Um, President of
1: uh, CBS.
2: He is the latest powerful man to be taken down by... Not taken down yet. Well, exposed by Ronan Farrell and the brave women who came forward to share their stories with Ronan Farrell. Yeah. the accusations in that article are very disturbing. Not um, quite as
1: disturbing as Weinstein, Weinstein, but yeah, but still a bummer.
2: Yeah, there was a separate woman who was not in the article who actually filed a police report against him for um, forcible sex. Really? Um, yeah, I forgot what the charge was. Um, they didn't say it was rape. Um, I I can't and remember.
1: The, the... LAPD uh, refused to pursue it.
2: Yeah, because of the statute of limitations. Oh. But that but that woman was not included in Ronan Farrow's article. Hmm. Um, the women that were included in Ronan Farrow's article described like Les Moonves jumping on them in the office and trying to kiss them and being very aggressive and this is going to stay between me and you and then trying to ruin their career because they didn't. Yeah. accept his advances. Yeah. So it's it's the same aggressive sexual behavior um, forcing himself on women, then lashing out and trying to ruin their careers when they didn't accept. The unique thing about what Stephen Colbert did is that Les Moonves Who, is his
1: boss. That's right. He works for CBS.
2: And Stephen Colbert has been very outspoken in the Me Too movement. Um, and he i think because he's been so outspoken he felt that he couldn't let this pass either and so he gave a really powerful speech on his show about les moonves
4: folks before the break uh i was over there uh i made a few jokes about my boss being in trouble and uh are we still broadcasting you know what don't tell me i like a surprise And here's the thing, we're coming up on one year of general awareness of the Me Too movement. And I think that milestone is worth celebrating, but it's hard to think of an appropriate anniversary gift when the entire Amazon wish list is just, stop it. (laughs) By the way, women who wanted to stop it also searched for justice. (laughs) And women over the past year have felt empowered to tell their stories in ways they haven't before, which is an objectively good thing because, and it's strange, to have to say this. Powerful men taking sexual advantage of relatively powerless employees are wrong. We know it's wrong now. And and we knew it was wrong then. And how do we know we knew it was wrong then? Because we know these men tried to keep the stories from coming out back then. I don't remember... I don't remember any ads in Variety saying, congratulations to me on all the butt I'm groping. (laughs) That said, and this is obviously naive on a certain level, the revelations and accusations of the past year, just in the entertainment industry alone, have been shocking to me. To many of the women I know, it has brought a welcome sense of relief that something's finally happening. Now, as a middle-aged guy with some power in the entertainment industry, I may not be the ideal person to address this kind of systemic abuse. Who am I to judge? I'm a Catholic, still.
0: And when I go to confession,
4: I have things to confess. First, that I don't go to confession. And that I just lied to you for a bit. But this weekend, some people asked me, probably because I work here, what do you think is going to happen? I don't know. I don't know who does know. In a situation like this, I'd normally call less. But over the past year, there's been a lot of discussion about whether the disappearing of the accused from public life is the right thing to do. And I get that there should be levels of response. But I understand why that disappearing happens. Because there's a JFK quote that I like, and I cite a fair amount on the show, and it's that those who make peaceful revolution impossible make violent revolution inevitable. And for so long, for women in the workplace, there was no change, no justice for the abused. So we shouldn't be surprised that when the change comes, it comes radically. This roar is just a natural backlash to all that silence. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but I do believe in accountability. And not just for politicians you disagree with. Everybody believes in accountability until it's their guy. And make no mistake, Les Moonves is my guy. He hired me to sit in this chair. He stood behind this show while we were struggling to find our voice. He gave us the time and the resources to succeed, and he has stood by us when people were mad at me. And I like working for him. But accountability is meaningless unless it's for everybody, whether it's the leader of a network or the leader of the free world.
2: We'll be right back. So this was kind of similar to me um, as the Sarah Silverman um, commentary when the Louis C.K. stuff broke. um, Where you're kind of having to grapple with this person that's close to you. Yeah. That um, has maybe even helped you in profound ways. Who you learn has treated other people terribly. And people came out to defend Les Moonves, including his wife. Um, and there was some tweet, I can't remember what it is now, but they said something like, um defending these people by saying, Well, he's always treated me with respect is like defending a murderer saying, Well, he never murdered me. That's no, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Um, it is possible that someone can be very nice to you yeah, and then not be nice to other people.
1: So I appreciate It's because a predator mm-hmm. targets the weak targets those and they become very adept at figuring out who is a more likely target that will not um, go to the authorities or cause a problem for them. Mm-hmm. You know?
2: Yeah, and just so I don't get um emails, I was trying to when I was talking about the um the woman who filed the police report um and the statute of limitations had passed, she her allegation was forced oral copulation. Mm. And um so they were looking at some sort of assault charge, but I wanted to be specific about whatever it was. Sure. So, so when I said it was some sort of forcible sex, but I couldn't remember if they used the word rape. People were probably like, uh, Brittany, those are the same thing. I know that but but I was trying to be like specific.
3: Well,
1: when we're talking about legal charges, it's yeah. So you know, don't even want to be specific. Um,
2: <laughs> but back to Stephen Colbert. Um, this is good, and I hope that we see more of this from people that um, are close to someone who's powerful that did something, and that they are recognizing the nuance that it's difficult for them too, and highlighting that it's difficult for them, but. That accountability is for everybody, like he said.
1: He's also not saying that um, he's guilty. Part of accountability is vetting the charges against someone. Right. They're they're holding him accountable. And if it turns out that these are all just salacious accusations that are untrue, then he should be exonerated. Mm -hmm. But that's part of the process of accountability. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's how it's going to pan out because yeah. these seem to be very credible allegations independent of one another. Yeah. Um, and also very similar to one another. Mhm. Um, but still, that's part of the process of accountability.
2: Yeah, well, and I mean, just to go a little bit into the allegations, one woman was the partner of Martin Scorsese for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And she, after this happened, actually contacted him and was like, you know, I need help. So she told people big names about what was going on. Right. Um, So.
1: Which is contemporaneous corroboration.
2: Right. So and uh, with anything Ronan Farrow does. He's he's making sure that it's vetted. So
1: he's a professional. We'll
2: see what happens. Yeah, but,
1: and we'll follow it. Yeah, we'll follow it because this is important, and yes. we don't want to lose sight of uh, you know we don't want it to, to to just flame out after a year. This is this this process needs to continue to purge ourselves, if you will, of these toxic assholes who ha- hold positions of great power. And, you know, hopefully it trickles down to remove the assholes who are not in positions of great power, have them uh, affected as well. So we are going to leave you there. That is Taking Care of Biz. That was Dolomocracy. This has been episode three hundred four hundred thirty four. 434. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We'd love to hear from you. Help us move the conversation forward on an episode by episode basis. 657-464-7609. Of course, email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtitdollamore.com. Follow us on Twitter. I am at Dolamore.
2: And at Brittany E. Page.
1: You can even follow the podcast. Uh, at idoubtitpodcast.
2: And those are the same on Instagram, too. So yeah. follow us on Instagram.
1: We love you guys. We appreciate you. We'll see you next week. Until then, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore. And this has been... I doubt it.
2: But I hate fun and love facts.